Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, D.C. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this message. Isaiah chapter 6. He had a vision of the king, the king of kings. In Isaiah 6, it says that in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and exalted. He was seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. These are angelic beings, just creatures that when you, when you hear a, this, just a description of, of that which God created, that should evoke some, some, you know, reverence for God in the first place. I think that's why Isaiah was describing them. And so those were just the angelic beings. Those were just the creatures. And they were worshiping God. God was so holy that they covered themselves. They covered their feet. They covered their faces while they flew. But as they flew, here's what they were saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts shook and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. I don't know if you can kind of picture in your own imagination what Isaiah was describing here. But he just had a revelation of the fact that, okay, this earthly king died. This earthly king is gone. And in in that same moment, I realized who the real king was. I realized who was really king. And they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. That's what they were were shouting. And again, they were just the, the creatures that God had created. But at the sound of their voices, the doorpost shook. Can you imagine if God had opened his mouth? Now you can kind of see why the next words from Isaiah was, whoa, whoa is me. I'm, you know, it's over for me. I'm going to be ruined. I'm going to be taken out. He was terrified and he should be in the presence of God almighty. And even though he was, he stood in the presence of God and he said, I'm ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. He was recognizing his helpless state before God. He was recognizing that he really was messed up. He really was desperate because if you have unclean lips, you probably have an unclean heart. Is everything that is said, okay, is in the heart. And so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. So he was really speaking about his, his sinful state before God and realizing that it was like it really didn't make sense or come to bear until he was standing in the presence of God. How messed up he was. All right, so he's scared. He realizes how messed up he is. And then he saw a seraphim coming toward him with burning coals. Maybe at lightning speed with a burning coal. Would you, would you run? What would you do? Would you scream? Would you go into the fetal position? I would. But here's the mercy of God. This seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand. 
which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And with it, touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Can we just clap for the mercy of God? While he was standing there in this, I don't know if it was a trance. I don't know if it was a dream. I don't know if he was awake or asleep. It was a revelation. We know that. But he had a revelation of the, the almighty power of God, of the king. And at the same time, he had a, a revelation of his utter sinfulness. And it's the mercy of God in that moment to say, I'm, I'm not going to crush you. I'm not going to take you out. I'm not going to do away with you. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to cleanse your lips. I'm going to cleanse your heart so that you can be comfortable standing here in my presence. Isn't that a good God? Amen. So then I heard the voice of the Lord say, I'm in verse 8, whom shall I send? And he's kind of looking around, I imagine. The Lord's just looking around. Isaiah's the only one there, but he's asking the question, whom shall I send? And Isaiah properly responded by saying, here I am, as if God couldn't see him. But he said, here I am. Why was it important for God to ask the question and not just send somebody, you know, as if they were, you know, a robot? Because it gave Isaiah an opportunity to respond to the Lord, to respond to the Lord's invitation to join him. So what was he going to have him do? Go and tell this people. The people, now he's describing, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their ears. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. In that statement, God was, was he was revealing himself to Isaiah, he was revealing Isaiah's own state, and he was revealing who he was sending Isaiah to. So perhaps in that moment when Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. So he had a glimpse as to his own sinful state and a glimpse of the sinful state of the people. Now, when God said, okay, who will send us? And now that he got a response, yes, I will go. All right, I'm going to give you a little bit more. These people, they're dull in their hearing. They are callous in their hearts. They think they see, but they really don't. So are you going to go to them and help them turn and repent and change their perspective and submit to me, the king? That's basically what this moment is. It's, it's the call upon Isaiah's life. Remember, we're, we're talking about the coming king. So Isaiah saw the king seated high, lifted up in, in a heavenly realm. So the kingdom of God is in heaven. We know that that's, that's probably the starting point. But all along, throughout scripture, there's this effort 
on the part of God and what he had the writers write to reveal himself, to reveal himself as the king, to reveal his kingdom. You don't just wake up with that. There's an understanding. Jesus in the New Testament said, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom. And that's what God recognized of the people, that they, they had not been changed on the inside. They had not surrendered to the king. That's what it means to be born again. So they were dull in hearing. They were callous in their hearts. They needed someone to, to help them understand this coming king and this coming kingdom that he wanted them all to be a part of. So he sent Isaiah in the Old Testament. He sent other many prophets. He sent other leaders to reveal this truth that he is king and that he wants relationship with all of us. But then he also sent Jesus. Anybody who know, know who I'm talking about? He sent Jesus for that very reason. So everything we see, like I said, just think of, you know, uh, a royal entourage, you know, a parade. And people, they, they, they line the streets to see this king coming, to see this, this parade, this, this royal entourage. And there's a slow walk, you know, through the people. Even as you're standing in one spot, the closer and closer that the king gets to you, the more and more that's revealed to you, the more and more you see, the closer and closer this king comes. And so as, as the children of Israel in the Old Testament thought of God as a high and lifted up, just like Isaiah did, high lifted up king, but here's God. Yes, I'm a king, but I also want to be close to you. I want you to be close to me. So he sends Jesus, the son of God in the flesh. In this, I really want to turn your attention to that the kingdom of God comes to earth. As, as Jesus came to earth, he was a part of that triune God who was seated high and lifted up, the king seemingly distant from the people. But God knew that there needed to be a way, another way, after, after, after a myriad of ways that he shared. If you read through the Old Testament over and over again, God is trying to reveal himself, reveal himself. Well, when Jesus came on the scene, it was the kingdom of God is at hand. This is what Jesus was saying. Now you had God in the flesh. Like how much more close can you identify with somebody than to become like them? And this, is, this is, was God's attempt to get it in the hearts of people, to, to come so close that they could have relationship with him. And so when the disciples... So, when the disciples begin to grow and, and circle around Jesus, Jesus was a public figure. He was, he was preaching in the squares. He was teaching. He was healing folks. He was, he was going around and, and saying, guess what he was saying? The kingdom of God is at hand. 
meaning the kingdom of God is right here. It's close to you. And it, it, is, it is here. It's not far off and distant in, in, in a way. You're not, you're not hearing about a God who's cold and not near you and not caring. But the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is right here. It was a mighty invitation. So the disciples, people who followed him and wanted to come even closer and take that invitation to be in relationship with him, they asked him, well, okay, well, can you teach us how to pray? They didn't know how to pray because why? In the Old Testament, in the old days before Jesus came, it was a job of the priests. The priests would do everything on behalf of the people. The priests would go in and praise God for the people. Meaning like if we were in those times, we wouldn't be able to join in that wonderful worship. Aren't you glad about that? That now that is not the case. We can join in the worship of God. We can talk to him. We can pray to him because Jesus gave us the invitation by bringing the kingdom to earth. So what did Jesus say to them when they said, how should we pray? So he said to them, here's how you should pray. Oh, Father. What, what is the first thing that he said? Oh, Father. Not Oh, king, distant, you know, not relatable. He said, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. This is why Jesus was sent to bring the kingdom of God on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Those people that we have offended as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And on and on, Jesus was teaching them how to pray. It wasn't just about these words on the page, these, this, this simple prayer that, that Jesus gave them to now pray. But he was teaching them to have relationship. He was teaching them to, to respond to that invitation that God was giving to enter into the kingdom. It's different than just praying a simple prayer before you go out in the morning. It's about acknowledging, first of all, that God is our father. He desires a relationship. It's like, did you see all those daddies up here a few minutes ago? You saw them cuddling their babies. This is coming close. It's having gentle, loving relationship. Not being so focused on, you know, rules or do's and don'ts. But it's about having friendship with him. But just like Isaiah did, Isaiah acknowledged God as king, as, as almighty. The next thing he says is holy or hallowed be your name. Just because we come in and have intimate relationship with God doesn't mean we all of a sudden become casual. There's a reverence that we are to carry in our relationship with him as we grow in that intimacy. And then he says, your kingdom come. This was not only the prayer that he was teaching, the posture and the, the desire that he was stating himself, 
But he was teaching the disciples to have this desire too, to, to set your faith posture, to expect, to ask for God's kingdom to come. Now, what does that mean, your kingdom come? Well, I'm glad you asked. I remember being really young in my relationship with the Lord. And when someone mentioned the kingdom of God, I was like, oh, that must be a cool place. Can we go there? Where, how do I get there? The kingdom of God. I'm looking for, you know, a big banner. This is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is actually everywhere his subjects are. Everywhere and everyone who submits to the king is in the kingdom of God. My question is, are you in the kingdom of God? How do you know? Do you submit to the king? If you are in the kingdom of God, you can rejoice. Because you know, the subjects in the kingdom, they are protected by the king. They are provided for by the king. They, they are covered priestly by the king. And so you want to be in this kingdom. There's some of us who, you know, this, 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 this idea of, you know, I, I hear the term institutionalized religion, right? I understand that. But when I, when I think of institutionalized religion, that does not fit the kingdom. The, the kingdom is all about really having the same uh, aligned thoughts and, and way of life with the king. It's about following the king. It's about obeying the king, uh, loving the king, receiving love from the king. It's, it's a wonderful place. And it's coming to you. <laughs> so my last point is really all about the kingdom of God coming to our hearts. So the kingdom of God is in heaven. Hallelujah. That's where it emanates from. Through Jesus, God was bringing the kingdom to earth. And lastly, the kingdom of God comes to our hearts. That is the territory. This is it's not geographical. The territory of the kingdom of God is your heart. That's where it is. But like Isaiah, there is understanding and acknowledging the king as king and submitting to recognizing our own state and really seeing, okay, I need a king. I need someone to govern me because if I was left to myself, I would remain the mess that I was before I submitted to him. <laughs> so I need a king. I need someone to protect and cover, guide me, lead me. Someone whose love makes me so secure that I don't follow the ways of the culture, but I follow him. That's the kind of king we have in King Jesus. But even going beyond, do you remember what was said to Isaiah? After that angelic being touched his lips and cleansed him, enabled him to stand in the presence of God, God said, who will we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah, with excitement and enthusiasm, here I am, send me. That's the kind of passion, that's the kind of uh, alacrity, that's the kind of response 
that God would desire from all of us. Where are we going? To advance his kingdom. What does that mean, advancing his kingdom? Well, if you think about a military campaign, you know, when somebody wants to take territory, how many military people do I have? Hi, give them a hand. Thank you, Lord. When you think about a military campaign, it's about taking territory. Well, the Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take us by force. What does that mean? That there is opposition to the kingdom of God being, the borders being pushed out, pushed further. There's opposition. And opposition does not look like somebody that you're talking to, flesh and blood. The opposition are spiritual forces that want to stop the people of God, that want to prevent us from advancing the kingdom, that want to prevent us. How do we advance the kingdom? By sharing the gospel with somebody else. That the gospel would go into somebody else's heart, that somebody else would submit to the king. That's how we advance the kingdom. But there is opposition to that. It doesn't come easy. But if you are passionate about the king and you're passionate about his kingdom, the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Meaning that those spiritual forces that want to stop us, they, they will not be able to contend with the advancement of his kingdom, with the, with the growth of the church. And so I really want to encourage you all this morning. We really fall into two camps. We really fall into the two camps. Either you are in the kingdom or you're not. It's really, it's really simple. You are in the kingdom and submitted to the king or you're not. Just like God gave that invitation to Isaiah, just like Jesus gave that invitation to the people of his day and said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near you. The king is coming. He's already here. It's an opportunity and an invitation to step into the kingdom with one decision. And God does the rest. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to, you know, get rid of everything at first. <laughs> to come to him, he accepts you as you are. But he, he loves us so much that he doesn't leave us that way. Hallelujah. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us. And I want to... I want every one of us to take an account. I'm not, I'm not asking you how often you come to church or, you know, how, you know, much you tithe, how good a Christian you can be. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm asking you, are you a citizen of the kingdom, of his kingdom? Have you made that decision in your heart to submit to him? as King, as Lord, as Savior, as Master. I was telling somebody this week, once you submit to Jesus as Lord, then you are saved. 
We want Him to be our Savior. We want Him to rescue us. And that's a good thing. But there is a condition set on your salvation. If you confess Jesus as your Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. And, and, and this process of renewal, God will pour out his grace on your life in order to be everything and do everything that he's called you to. So Lord, in this moment, I ask that you would pour out your grace right now for us to really examine, to, to, to acknowledge you as king. Lord, to by your grace, no pressure, and it's, and it's your doing, Lord, in our hearts. But as you're coming to our hearts, God, I ask that you would give grace and power in this moment for every one of us who is not in the kingdom to acknowledge that, to receive the invitation. If that's you and you, and you know where you are, and God knows. Lift your hand and I can pray for you. Lift your hand if you desire to accept his invitation into a relationship where you submit to the king. And it doesn't mean that you become a member of this church. It means that you become a citizen of the kingdom. So wherever you go, you will acknowledge him as king and live like it. Is there one? We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Since no one raised their hand, I'm going to assume if we stay in an attitude of, of prayer and worship, Lord, everyone here who has acknowledged you as king and submits their life to you and lives the way that you desire them to live, I ask that like Isaiah, when they hear you saying, who will I send to go and tell the, those people who don't submit to me that they need to, with love, but with boldness, with truth, I ask that you would, you would prompt the hearts of every citizen of your kingdom to go and tell, share your gospel, share your love, share your encouragement that the kingdom of God would be advanced to heart after heart after heart and more territory and more territory. If that's you, just lift your hands and receive the grace of God. If you are a citizen of the kingdom and you need boldness and you need grace, you need encouragement, you need love in order to go or you desire to go for him, I want to pray for you. Just lift your hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all these hands. Thank you, Lord. You see every hand. I don't know them or can call them by name right now, but you do. And I ask that, that boldness, a spirit of boldness would fall on your people called Grace Covenant right now. 
and everyone who is in your kingdom, not necessarily in this church, but in your kingdom, that boldness and conviction would rise up in their hearts, that love would rise up in their hearts more than anything, that they would go. They wouldn't be satisfied with having relationship with you, just them themselves, but they would see the person in their cubicle next to them, or they would see the neighbor down the street or in their building. They would see classmates in their classrooms and say, I just want to share the love of God with you. Do you know Jesus? Do you know you can have a relationship with the King? Lord, do it. And we trust you in Jesus' name. And every heart said, Amen.
Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovedc.org.